On today's show, we look at two alternatives for how the Islanders' offense can improve. One if they make a trade and one if they stand pat. Plus, we look back at all four Islanders' prospects' performances in the World Juniors. That and more coming up on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Sark tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Gil Martin, so glad you could join us today and be part of the Locked On Islanders family. And thank you for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We've got plenty to discuss on today's show. But first of all, if you've got something Islanders related on your mind, if you have a question, a comment, maybe uh, something you'd like us to discuss on the show, feel free to email us the email address LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your first name and where you're from, we are happy to mention you on the show when we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. You could also follow the show on Twitter, at Locked On Isles, and you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter, at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news, notes, and happenings throughout the rest of the offseason. Any trade rumors, any free agent moves, any coaching hirings, whatever's happening to your New York Islanders, We'll have it right here on Locked On Islanders between now and the start of training camp. And yeah, training camp is less than a month away, so always looking forward to that. We're going to start with the Islanders' offensive situation. And we know the Islanders were 22nd in the league last year in goals scored. 229 goals in 82 games. Really not where you want your team to be when push comes to shove. And, you know, less than three goals scored a game puts a lot of pressure on your goaltender. The goaltending was seventh in the league, and yet the Islanders still missed out on the playoffs despite having a top 10 defense, uh, at least as far as goals allowed was concerned. So... Lots of questions now. We heard Lou Lamorello during the offseason talking about making hockey trades in order to make this team better. And yet, the only trade that was made during the offseason, the Islanders dealing their first pick in this year's draft to the Montreal Canadiens for defenseman Alexander Romanov. That does help as far as improving the defense is concerned, 
the mobility factor that we've talked about, the, the need to skate the puck out of uh, trouble, that Noah Dobson was really the only other skating defenseman out of the top six on the roster last year. And now Romanov gives them an extra gear. And Robin Salo, potentially, if he wins the sixth defenseman spot, would also give them a little bit more mobility, even if it is at the cost of some defensive play. But offensively, there really isn't a lot of other places for this team to go. Now, the two names that have come up the most in any deal right now is J.T. Miller of Vancouver, Vladimir Tarasenko of St. Louis. Here's the thing about both of them. I can tell you right now, any deal for Miller or for Tarasenko is going to cost the Islanders. And you also have to take into consideration the cap situation. So Miller is 30, which means he's two years younger than Nazem Kadri. Uh, he's also coming off a 32-goal, 99-point season. So uh, certainly he would add the juice, and he can play center and he can play wing, so you, you have a little more flexibility with Miller than you did with Kadri. And he has one year left on his contract at a $5.25 million cap hit. That is in and of itself, is a reasonable hit to expect. And for one year, at least, the Islanders would be getting a bargain. But keep in mind, Kadri's seven-year, $7 million deal is going to be the base, that the benchmark that Miller is going to want if he signs an extension. And if you're the Islanders, you don't want to make a trade for JT Miller to rent him for one year or part of one year, you want to sign him long-term. The Canucks, at this point, are over the cap, although they have a player, Michael Furland, who is likely to be on long-term IR, and that would get them just under the cap when the season starts, but it gives them precious little room to maneuver. So if they trade Miller, they could take a Josh Bailey and that would be a wash. They could take an Anthony Bevilier who's making 4.15 million a year and save themselves 1.1 million roughly. Uh, and Bo would make a little more sense for the Canucks rather than Bales just because of his age, because he's a little less expensive. And his upside is certainly greater. But, you know, you'd also probably have to throw in a high draft pick. How many years in a row can Lou Lamorello trade away the Islanders' first-round pick without it coming back to bite this team in the rear end down the road? Tarasenko also would be costly. And you're talking about a player... A top six forward and a pick and maybe even assuming some of Tarasenko's salary in order to make that deal work. And you need to know that 
you're going to have to dump salary somewhere for the Islanders to get cap compliant. So moves for players like Miller and like uh, Tarasenko are going to cost the Islanders when push comes to shove in ways that could be disappointing. You may lose a Bailey, a Bavillier, a first-round pick, more likely a combination of those things, and you're going to have to assume some salary as well. That being said, I still think if you can make a good deal like that, you do it. But if you want Miller, you better, you better be willing to sign him to an extension. If I'm the Islanders, I want to negotiate with JT Miller's agent before I make the trade and or at least have a window to do that and sign him only if he signs a long-term extension to stay on the island because giving up a number one pick and or a top six forward and or paying some salary isn't going to get the job done if it's a one-year rental player. That doesn't benefit the Islanders realistically enough to make the deal worth their while. We will talk about how the Islanders could get better if they don't make a major move to bring in a goal scorer offensively. Plus, we look back now at the World Juniors now that they're over and all four Islanders prospects that were in this tournament made the finals. So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more coming up on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think about calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. No big deal. What are the odds you're going to get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You can kill someone. Everyone knows the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our road to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober, sober, or get pulled over. So if the Islanders don't make a move, here's what you're relying on to improve the offense. You're relying on Brock Nelson staying productive at a 30-plus goal rate. You're relying on Matthew Barzal getting back closer to his 20-goal, 70-point, 20-25 goals, 70 to 75 point form. You're looking at Noah Dobson possibly taking a step forward. Anders Lee at least duplicating the 28 goals he scored. Anthony Bevilier bouncing back if he's still on the team. Kyle Palmieri returning to 20 plus goal form. Up steps forward for Oliver Wallstrom and Kiefer Bellows, the two young forwards with potential on this team, that they sort of take this the next step forward. And maybe a little bit of an increase in scoring from a J.G. Pajot, who had 18 goals and 39 points 
when you probably want 20 to 25 goals and let's say 45 to 50 points from J.G. Pajot. That's really, you would need all of those things. Now, there are a couple of other possibilities. Does an Ratu come up and make the team this year? And if so, what can he contribute? I think it's a long shot. I think he's still one more year away. But again, if we're going over all the possibilities, that's what you're relying on, more or less, if you're talking about how this team improves without making a major move. So it'll be interesting to see. And we will figure out what Lou Lamorello and the Islanders do to provide Lane Lambert with the weapons he needs to make this team better. I still think they need to make a move. If you really want to contend, if you want to try to sneak into the playoffs and and be a wild card team and, and, and try to make another long playoff run, yeah, you can do it with this group and you may just make it or you may just miss. That's sort of where I feel like this team is at as they're built right now. But uh, you bring in that extra goal scorer, that bonafide 30-plus goal scorer, and maybe you can do a little better than that. So we'll see. Let me know what you think, which route you think makes more sense. And I think part of it is this. Right now, the Islanders are in win-now mode. Maybe if you can't bring in that goal scorer, after this year, you may have to start thinking about breaking up this team and rebuilding the prospect pool and taking that step back. I don't want to see that happen yet. I think if you make a couple of tweaks, this Islander team can still contend for another two, maybe three years with the right moves, especially considering Sorokin being such a good goaltender, uh, Pelican Pulak being, and Dobson hopefully all being locked up long-term. But again... Lula Morello has the final say on that, and we'll see what, if any, moves he's going to make. World Juniors are over. Congratulations to Team Canada. They win the gold with a 3-2 overtime win over Team Finland. So both, uh, all four Islander prospects, uh, basically in the finals, the gold medal game, of this tournament, and that is just great to see. Uh, William Dufour, the fifth-round pick in 2020, scored the second goal for Canada in the gold medal game, making it two to nothing. And Dufour, three goals, seven points in seven games in the junior tournament, playing on the third line. So look at this year that William Dufour has had. He is the uh, Quebec League's MVP, won the Memorial Cup, and won gold medal at the World Juniors. Not bad. Thank you very much, William Dufour. Again, he's at least a year, maybe two years away from being ready to join the NHL, but a strong tournament and an outstanding year for Dufour, who is looking like a fifth-round steal at this point. Meanwhile, Atu Ratu, Matias Rajaniemi, and Atu Liukas, uh, all silver medalists 
Ratu had 10 points, which was tied for fourth among the players in the tournament. Three goals, seven assists in seven games. Uh, he was really, really strong throughout the tournament for the Finns. Uh, Rajaniemi had one assist in six games for Finland, while Lyukas had two assists in the, uh, his performance in six games for the Finns. So overall, what you like about this tournament, DeFore and Ratu, the two forwards who are in there, both very productive offensively, and that is huge. The experience they got, excellent. And then the two defensemen, Rajaniemi and Lucas, they get the job done on the blue line. Not as much with the offensive statistics, but certainly solid contributions and valuable experience going up against the best players in their age group from around the hockey world and winning silver medals. So overall, a very productive and helpful tournament for the New York Islanders and the four prospects that played in it for this organization. And that is heartwarming news for Islander fans and for the team. We have got a lot more to get to on today's show. Uh, our Islanders birthday of the day coming up next. A fan favorite who was a huge factor in the Islanders' Cinderella run to the conference final back in 1993. Let's see if you can guess who that is. That and a lot more to come on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Time now for our Islanders' birthday of the day. And Tuesday will be the 60th birthday, boy, that makes me feel old, of former Islanders goaltender Glenn Healy, the Ajax Ontario native, went to Western Michigan University, made his NHL debut with the LA Kings in 1985-86, spent uh, two-plus seasons with the Kings, played a little hockey with the New Haven Nighthawks of the AHL. Uh, for those of you who are Islander fans up in Connecticut, and remember the Nighthawks, uh, then after the Kings comes to the Isles for 89 90 and stayed with the team through the 92-93 season, then signed with the Rangers as a free agent, was the backup goalie to Mike Richter on the 94 Rangers Stanley Cup winning team, and then played for the Maple Leafs until 2000-2001 when he hung up his skates for good. 437 career games in the NHL for Glenn Healy. He had a 3.37 goals against average and 8.87 career save percentage. Not bad for someone who played in the high-flying 80s, but boy, did he come up big for the Islanders in those 1993 playoffs. No way the Islanders get all the way to the conference final, upsetting the defending Stanley Cup champion Penguins and you know, getting all the way to the conference final on the strength of some great goaltending by Glenn Healy. We're going to remember one of Heal's better games with the Isles. And, you know, one other memory I wanted to mention about Glenn Healy. He and Pat Flatley used to have a show, a little segment that was 
often in between periods of Islander games on cable, heels and flats, and that was a humorous take on things around the hockey world, and uh, Glenn Healy, Pat Flatley, uh, really did a nice job, and <clears throat> good sense of humor and some camaraderie there. We go back to January 16, 1990, at the Nassau Coliseum. Islanders hosting the Vancouver Canucks. Kirk McLean, the goalie for the Canucks. Obviously, Glenn Healy is the netminder for the Islanders in this one. And after a scoreless first period, the second period, the Islanders get on the board first. Randy Wood scores his 12th. Jeff Norton, the only assist, at 424. Isles up 1-0 after two periods. There was a fight in the second period, which you don't generally uh, expect from this guy, Jeff Norton. He took a high-sticking minor and a fight between Norton and Rich Sutter of the Canucks. Uh, that put the Islanders shorthanded, but they were able to kill off the penalty. In the third period, Hubie McDonough makes it 2-0 Islanders. His ninth from Yari Grandstrand at 16-33. And then an empty netter by Pat Flatley, his 11th from Brent Sutter, and the bomber, Ken Baumgartner. That made it 3-0 at 1914. Islanders win it 3-0. Uh, but wait till you hear the shots on goal in this game. Islanders outshot 51-21. And Glenn Healy making a 51-save shutout in this game. And the amazing thing is that the Canucks did not have any player in their lineup with more than five shots on goal. Andrew McBain, Doug Lidster, and Jim Benning each had five, but then they had four players, uh, five players with four shots on goal and a whole bunch with three. At the end of the day, though, Glenn Healy was flawless, 51 saves to earn the shutout. Glenn Healy is our Islanders' birthday of the day. Tuesday, he turns 60, and we wish him a happy and a healthy birthday and many, many happy more. So, again, love to hear your feedback from where we stand now. Are you comfortable with the Islanders going into the season, hoping to improve offensively from within, or do you think it's worth taking that chance and making the big move to bring in a Tarasenko or a Miller or some other player who could help this team. I don't want to see a 35, 38-year-old, one-year kind of a guy. If I see Miller or Tarasenko, I want to know that they're going to be here for more than just one year in order to make what the Islanders are going to have to give up to get them worthwhile. But I still think the better move is bring somebody in and make this team better. If the Islanders really are in win-now mode, then you got to do everything you can to win now. I am still not against the idea of trading Semyon Varlamov. I'd love to keep him, but $5 million for a backup goalie is a luxury that this team, with its shortcomings offensively, probably cannot afford. So reluctantly... I would make that deal or make that deal to free up the space to make another deal depending on what's out there and what Lou Lamorello can do. Should be interesting, but hopefully the Islanders can make a deal and either way be better next season. 
Thanks again for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. That does it for this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and of course, let's go Islanders.